And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. It is Monday, and we have a very busy broadcast week ahead of us this week. A full slate of guests here on the show. We are live from the bunker. That is the super-secret underground bunker at World Headquarters here in Kansas City. A programming note for those of you who are watching live, uh, we are not going to have an H2O podcast uh, installment tonight. You can thank the National Football League for that one uh, because I have to work on the Skycam crew, which was supposed to happen yesterday. So instead of taking October 12th Columbus Day off, we're going to take tonight off and then we'll be back next week. So there is that. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me and uh, Candy Corn at the ready because it's October. October is also Mental Health Awareness Month in a number of places. If you are interested in saving some money, well, mention this. We do have a discount code set up over at SuperheroStuff.com. 10% off your order when you use the promo code SciFi for me 10 And uh, that will save you a little money. I have uh, also got uh, the live chat set up so anybody can comment during this conversation that we're going to have. We also have the email address live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com if you want to leave a comment that way or suggest other guests. Uh, we are happy to have your input and feedback as well. And with all of that now out of the way, let's bring in our guest. Today, he is dialing in all the way from Kuwait, Ahmed Amin. Welcome, sir. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So let's, uh, let's set the table on this a little bit. We had, uh, we had communicated by email a couple of different times and about a, new, about a project that you have put together uh, that basically revives a legend that is probably one of the oldest, if not the oldest, recorded legend myth uh, in human history. And a lot of people go back to you know Greek mythology and Roman mythology and Norse mythology, and you have the Arthurian legends, but you go back even further than that to ancient Mesopotamia, and you have the legend of Gilgamesh. And part of that, and I remember even reading you know, a, a book by Eric von Lisbetter, uh, Gilgamesh the King, that basically fictionalizes that account. Gilgamesh, of course, has this best friend, Enkidu, or Enkidu, I don't, I'm not sure how it's exactly pronounced, but uh, you have essentially taken that character as your basis for this new superhero comic book. So, welcome to the program. How 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 did this come about? Let's start there. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I then I started like like that in the beginning. Um, um, the, the comic book is actually features a superhero who has an who has autism, 
And uh, it was inspired by my nephew, who was, who was an awesome autistic kid. And uh, I didn't know what kind of a story I want to write. I want to write something dedicated for him in the beginning. That was the idea. And when I visited the epic of Gilgamesh, uh, I noticed how Enkidu was um, uh, portrayed in the story. He, he appeared an outcast, someone who's different from society, and it just suddenly clicked. You know, that's that. And and there's a book actually by Louise Tilcar. Uh, uh, I think it's called uh, Enkidu the Hero, which makes. And I saw Enkidu as more heroic uh, character because Gilgamesh started as a bad guy. So I, I don't know. I, I became more drawn into Enkidu, and I and I just thought. That fits. That fits the bill. I wanted to create a character with who who's autistic, and based him on the oldest myth ever created, probably when, ever created. <laughs> when I go back and look at the Gilgamesh, uh, the Gilgamesh epic, the relationship that he has with Enkidu uh, almost seems like sometimes it's brothers, best friends hero sidekick because Gilgamesh features more prominently and Enkidu is there as a supporting character in some stories. It's almost uh, not quite Lone Ranger, Tonto, Batman, Robin, but Enkidu is, seems to me to have been set up as a, a check and balance type of character against the excesses of Gilgamesh is is in, am I reading that right? Enkidu was basically there to say, "Hold on, Gilgamesh, let's think about this. You know, challenge him, hold him back, restrain him, and and offer him a little bit of perspective before he just goes running off rashly." Has any of that carried through into the characters that you're using in the book? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And if anyone revisit the epic of Gilgamesh, uh, you will see that. They, in the story, in the myth, they actually created Enkidu as as someone who's equal to Gilgamesh to you know to oppose him. So it started that way, and uh, these you know it, it's uh, the thing that inspired me about Enkidu. Not only because he's you know strong and equal to Gilgamesh, he even changed a, a bad person, a tyrant king, and made him a good person. So these kind of things that I, I'd like to implement in, in the uh, in the comic, uh, I just show how uh, inspiration can come from everywhere, even from neurodiverse characters. Um, so, yeah, that it was influenced from that that the, the way they portrayed Enkidu and how, like you mentioned, he's like someone who puts people, puts uh, Gilgamesh into check. Uh, I'd like to portray that and also in my comic. So the story that's in the comic book, let's let's look at that here for a second because it is uh, it is in demand currently on Indiegogo, and it is called the Epics of Enkidu, featuring a hero with autism. And I want to circle back to that because that's that's a a unique thing that you don't see very much in the world of superhero stories, especially. But now you've got this. Uh, this comic book about Enkidu basically waking up in modern era. Am I reading that right? Or is this a character? Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay, so. Exactly. And, well, it, it isn't depicted in, in our modern day life. Uh, and it, for two reasons. Uh, first of all, I just want to show the difference in, in, you know, like the global warming, the changes in the world. 
called, and also show the things that never changed from, from the ancient times, you know? And the second thing is, um, you know, most people wonder how is it possible that he ended up uh, in our modern world. Um, in the epic of Gilgamesh, um, Enkidu, um, you know, there are like more than one version, one more than one plate, and in two versions, in uh, Enkidu ends up in the underworld. So, I mean, what used to be in the past, uh, magic or myth, you know, could be translated as science. Uh, for example, in the old ancient days, like there's something called the Asu, like the doctor, uh, he, you know, gives advice to stay away from dirty places because they have small demons that can go inside you and make you ill. In our logic, the small demons are bacteria or whatever. So I was thinking about what, what are underworlds, and I was thinking they could be like some kind of an interdimensional uh, things that is too difficult for the mind to understand. But if you have a mind like Enkidu, if you end up in the underworld and this is some kind of dimension, maybe you can find your way out. So he finds his way out in our modern day life. That actually kind of in, is an intriguing notion on a couple of levels, because if you, if you look at a number of different faiths that teach that heaven and hell are on different realms of existence, different planes of existence. It does kind of work into the science of other dimensions, extra dimensionality, and that sort of thing. Um, that's an intriguing notion of of hell being a different dimension uh, outside of of this that you could that you could run parallel almost like another another universe you know we always talk about these alternate universes like earth 2 and earth s and earth 616 and that sort of thing but the idea of the 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 spiritual realm also being another dimension uh, i find that to be i find that to be an intriguing notion i haven't thought about it that that way necessarily before um but it does kind of make sense because existence is completely different in those realms. Uh, and, and, of course, Enkidu, legend, the legend has it that he has certain skills and abilities and, and powers beyond the mortal men, as it were. So that's a, that's a, a unique combination. I'm, I'm very interested in seeing how that plays out. Is that, is that just the foundation for how you get him back or does that become a major story point on how he gets to the modern era or is that just a toss away oh by the way he had, hell is another dimension well yes and no well here's the thing um i brought him back uh in our modern time um there is someone else actually is in the underworld and when he gets out he becomes you know um a focal of entrance to a group of ancient uh, uh, people and descendant from them who are also worried that someone else got out. Uh, who, I'm not sure if you know who is actually portrayed in the Epic of Gilgamesh as uh, Inanna or Ishtar, who really has a has a grudge against Gilgamesh and Enkidu. And even though she's portrayed as the goddess of uh, sex and love, she's actually naively forgotten to be the goddess of war. So the main interest is, uh, like, they try to find out if what he saw, what, what happens there. But, but at the, the, and this is mainly the first arc, but uh, after we move on from, that, from there, it's, it's going to be a different story, you know, if, uh, whether if that particular evil have found his, his or her way out and if something worse actually came out, you know, so. 
it's not going to be the main focal of the story. The main focal will be Enkidu and and those uh, people from different civilization. But it's going to be the you know igniting event to the to to the whole story. So you mentioned you mentioned the autism. You mentioned your nephew, and that being a piece of the inspiration for this book. How much? How much research into autism spectrum did you have to do as in in combination with just your experiences with your nephew? I mean, he's he's certainly going to have his own particular mode of of autism depending on where he is on the spectrum. So there are a number of different modalities, a number of different types of of autism. Are we looking at a one to one? everything that your nephew has, Enkidu has, or was that just your starting point to say, this is an opportunity to have a discussion about this? Well, uh, a bit of both, because uh, I also have another autistic character, which, which I'll mention later. Uh, but not just that. Uh, I have a friend of mine, his, his, his daughter, she's autistic, and he said something I'll never forget. He said, if you know one autistic kid, you know one autistic kid. Because everyone with autism is different. Yeah. It's just a, you know, it's different social norm for, for each of them. So, but at the same time, uh, you know, most of the, most of my nephew is in Enkidu, you know, uh, the way he talks, the way he acts or interacts. But uh, uh, I'd like to take also an opp opportunity at the same time to raise uh, awareness and acceptance uh, about autism. Um, and especially since recently, the uh, attitude toward autism has changed from cause and cure to uh, acceptance. You know? So that, that's what, what I'm trying to do with the, with the comic by having not just one autistic character, but just another one, another one too. And is there anything in the book or anything connected to the book that gives your readers some connection into some resources for autism? For example, we've got... Um, the uh, the autism autism society here. We have autism speaks. We have a number of different organizations that work for you know awareness and coping mechanisms and that sort of thing. Is there anything in the book that points people toward that? Uh, actually, um, there are some organization uh, uh, international organi uh, autism organizations that uh, when I reached out to them, they, they were very pleased to add their information in my comic and and there are also another like international uh, national uh, autism center so i have some information to point some people toward them to to you know like learning centers these kind of things and at the same time uh i also uh placed uh, added some uh, pages in, in the comic uh, where you can help and you know donate or help spread awareness about autism uh, through those organizations you mentioned having having more than one character with autism. One of the one of the um, perks in your book is being able to be drawn in as a character. Uh, are there are there other people yeah. uh, you know responding as, as part of the crowdfunding as part of the response to the book? Have you had a number of people coming forward saying? I have somebody that you know. I know somebody with autism, or I have autism, and and this is a this is a positive step forward. We appreciate you doing this. What kind of feedback have you had from? I don't want to say the autistic community because that sounds very trite, but the the people who have 
a connection into that world, whether it's, you know, people with autism or they know somebody. Have you gotten very much feedback from just the regular citizens on the street that know about this project? Extremely positive feedback. Uh, everyone who heard about, you know, somebody with autism, I either say, I know someone who's my, like my nephew or my friend. And actually one of the, since you mentioned uh, the become a character uh, perk for my Indiegogo, there's a, a person actually, uh, he, he bought one of the character for uh, the son of uh, a coworker of him as a gift who, who's autistic. And, uh, and both, and I was also in contact with, with his mother and with this guy and, and, and I've been in contact with the reviewers who are autistic and uh, they, they really, and they did interviews with me and uh, they did a lot of sharing of my comics before I released the Indiegogo campaign and, and they were really supportive of, of the idea and, and why wouldn't you? I mean, it's a, it's a superhero with autism. So something something unique and something that should be told and neurodiverse characters are not really well presented uh, you know very much and then you know in most medias especially in the comics right and it would seem to me that it would be important to to make sure that you get that right because there are there are a number of projects T uh, you know, TV, film, comic books, uh, various different types, where now there is a, a little bit more scrutiny when it comes to uh, accurate representation. If you have somebody who's got some sort of a mental uh, challenge, a mental health challenge, or a physical disability, or something like that, or, or a cultural background that is very specific there's a lot more discussion about getting it right and making sure that your your information what you present in the story is an accurate representation for this was that something that was it would seem to me that since you know somebody with autism it would be fairly easy for you to make sure that that voice is right that behavior is is right how much of a concern was it? Were you sitting there sweating bullets, basically saying, oh, I hope I get this right? Or were you fairly confident that this is, this is the way it is because I know this is, I know this is the way it is? Um, well, I, there's a saying I never forget. You know, I, I all, and when I started writing, I always worried about what the writer would say or whatever. I mean, the readers would say. Uh, but then I, I, I heard this quote and I, and I never forget, like, you know, if they see you walk on water, uh, they're going to say it's because you can't swim. So uh, I, 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 uh, I'm already <laughs> in direct contact with not just one, more than one autistic person. And uh, I'm using them uh, and I'm, I have a lot of resources about autism and uh, I'm, I'm just trying to tell a good story to inspire. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you get this one video or whatever, who, who, you know, think differently about what you're doing. So, right. I mean, I try my best to represent the autistic community as best as I can and tell a good story and hopefully do the right thing. So. And since the book has gone in demand, uh, you mentioned that the artwork has changed. So we've got the we've got the artwork that's in the in the campaign. Now we have. Uh, you said there are new pages, new artwork that improves on the original. So how, how did that come about? Did you look at it and go, 
oh no, we can do this better? Or was it just, there was an opportunity to go back and revise? How did, how did it happen that you've changed the artwork in the book? Well, well, I was, um, I was thinking about, you know, I was thinking long before the Indiegogo campaign to upgrade my, my, my art, but I wasn't sure how I'm going to go through this, especially because uh, I started with a different artist in the beginning. Uh, and that artist, uh, you know, he told me that, that he's going to be delayed for one month or something like this. So uh, he said, I don't mind if you find someone else. So when he, when he said that to me, I thought, okay, maybe it's fate. Maybe I should start to, you know, readjust and calibrate my comp. And uh, that's when I found my artist, uh, Moise Muniz. He was following me for a very long time, and he even did a, 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 a fan art of my comic. Um, uh, and and I really loved that what what he what he what he did and I even colored it for him because I'm the colorist of the comic. So um, once uh, I contacted him, I told him he was very excited to to join me, and uh, you know I never looked back. <laughs> Just move on with this new art style, and it was it's much much better. So what's your timetable now as far as fulfillment? The book being in demand. Uh, how how far along in the process are you for getting it printed and getting it out to people who've backed the, the book? Well, uh, hopefully it's going to be ready on November. Uh, it's already been done. It's fully drawn. All the letters out there and uh, the, the digital copies, the people who got the digital copies. Are, uh, actually, everyone who pick every any book gets a, a digital copy. So it's already been sent out. Uh, the physical copies, the signed copies, the posters, the T-shirts, they're going to have to wait around a month. Uh, you know, you know, everything was delayed because of this, you know, our situation now because of coronavirus. Right. I think even my artist got infected, like, and we had to, and we delayed for like two or three weeks. You know? So, yeah, so so we, we tried to move on uh, as fast as we can. Uh, uh, Hopefully, it's going to be delivered for everyone on November, and hopefully, also it's going to be out uh, on Indie Indie Planet, uh, also on November, for for people who didn't uh, get the chance to get from Indie Planet. Now, has the has the result of this crowdfunding campaign uh, did that meet or exceed expectations? Did it perform? The way you were hoping, did it do better than you hoped? Not quite as good as you hoped. How did how does that compare with what you were wanting to do, going into it? Uh, humans are greedy people, you know. I always hope to reach much more, but when I think about it, it's my first ever Indiegogo campaign. I never done anything like that. I I had only two months to prepare, uh, which is you know I, when I was you know trying to read about how to make a successful Indiegogo campaign takes you about around six months to plan a successful okay I just had two months but I was also lucky and blessed uh, that I reached out to the right people um, like I reached out to people from the who knows uh, who are in contact with autistic people I reached out to the autistic community I reached out to uh, people who love history and all of them like converged on the same day and like for example, the perk of becoming a character, it was sold out in less than two days. So, so yeah, I, I was blessed. And lucky. Uh, but once I got fully funded in less than two weeks, I think in 10 days, uh, uh, it, it became you know, like a slow, slow progress. And I don't know why, but but I, 
for me, it's a great success. I've never done a, card, a crowdfunding campaign before. I'm happy about it. Was there a particular reason why uh, you went with Indiegogo as opposed to Kickstarter or, or I don't even know, are there other crowdfunding platforms that are working out there? Uh, but Indiegogo and Kickstarter seem to be the top two. So what, uh, what drew you yeah. to Indiegogo as opposed to, to Kickstarter for this project? Uh, honestly, it's, uh, it's one of those uh, go with your gut kind of situation. I just like the layout and how, how they show the comic and everything and how the perks are played on the, on the side. It's easy to spot everything. Uh -huh. For some reason, when I, when I went with Indiegogo, I felt more, more comfortable. Um, even though Kickstarter is an awesome platform, I, I just, you know, my gut told me to go with Indiegogo. And uh, yeah. Over here in the United States, there are a number of comics creators who have networked together and they talk back and forth and they trade best practices and these are things that I've learned and these are mistakes that I've made. Don't do what I did. Try something else. Are you, are you part of any kind of uh, network now that you've, now that you've gone and done a project, you're, 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 an, you're a veteran now. Uh, have you had communication with other people that have crowdfunded projects or are you sitting out there off in a corner all by yourself? No, actually, I, I contacted uh, a couple of people who did crowdfunding before um, and, you know, to ask for advice on how to create a successful development campaign and they gave me really good, awesome advice. Uh, how to plan and, uh, and uh, how, you know, they even provide me some emails of uh, people who do, do interviews and, and podcasters and everything. Uh, they were really nice, a really amazing community. I mean, anyone, I, I, I'm not belonging to a specific community. I just, anyone who, I, I contact anyone who did an Indiegogo campaign and they just always replied to me. And uh, I think that's, uh, that's play, played a good factor in my, in my success. And I'd like to also mention that because of that success, I, I became the first uh, Iraqi to be to be funded fully funded on Indiegogo any platform, so, which is awesome, you know. So that is awesome. Congratulations! As a comic artist, so. Yeah, hopefully not the last. <laughs> well, hopefully not, and hopefully this is not your last campaign. I mean, I would imagine that with the six the success of the first one, you're planning a second one, or is this a one off? No, I, I do. I actually, because of the delay, I was hoping. The original plan is to to start it mid October, but um, you know you can, you cannot you know you can't plan anything. But there's always life, you know. Life always comes in and say, you know, "I like your plan, but so." <laughs> <laughs> but there will be another Indiegogo, another you know crowdfunding campaign. Here in the states, uh, we have uh, and I don't, I, and and having having you. In Kuwait, you're not in the, in the U.S. Uh, let me ask your perspective on this. Because here in the States, there is a growing unrest in terms of uh, the cultural backlash. And in the comics community here, we see a lot of that. The cancel culture, as it were. You, you are not part of the right group type of thing. Do you run into that? Uh, in Kuwait, in the Middle East, is there some of that? I know, I know. There's a lot of the the religious uh, back and forth that factors into that. But in terms of just general society, 
are there people out there that are you're not allowed to say X because you don't belong to the right group? Is there tri- that kind of tribalism on a social level? Well, um, I had that 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 issue once uh, with one of my novels. Uh, I write something called the Psych Series, and when I released my second book, it, it was titled Iblis. Iblis means uh, the devil, you know, it's Lucifer. So, because the title was like that, I, I got some. I mean, even though it was approved by by the local government and everything, and you know, um, by the censorship those you know censorship people uh, i still got some comments from many people when i started talking and you know about the book and showing it in the bookstores so i had to change the title uh, even though I, I was pretty sure nothing bad will happen and i just i just want to avoid it. it's just a title for me so i thought eh, it's never mind but as for this comic story uh, so far no one uh, you know was against it everyone was 100 percent for it you know uh, because they, you know, they think it's it's a good thing. It's it's not something that offend anyone, and if anything, it's something that you know inspires, you know, uh, and it's related to history and mythology, and uh, especially from from my culture, from my country, you know, they they love this, uh, and because you don't see a lot of uh, our culture, our civilization, even though it's the oldest known civilization, uh, found in you know, probably the most oldest one. Um, that brought writing and so many things to this world, but you, can, you don't see them presented very well in the media. So that's why the support uh, was really positive from from my country and from the people I know, and even the people who I who don't who I don't know who just learned about this comic. I never met anyone who's against it. So I think um, I got lucky <laughs> with this idea. I I would say you probably did. Yes. Uh, now is is the are this are the set in the next books in the series? I, I'm assuming your next project might be connected to this one. Uh, are you planning other legendary figures? Are you going to dig into that well again with Mesopotamian history? Because you're a student of that. You have uh, you have a diploma in in uh, ancient Mesopotamian history in addition to to your day job. So how much of that are you able to pull in and you've got ideas for other books? Where, where are we going next? Well, uh, you know, the thing is, um, the oldest, uh, uh, the oldest, uh, well, version of the Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, is around 4,500 years old. So I have 4,000, 500 years of history to play with in my story. And, and you know, I always think about it because I already have a beginning and ending for the whole saga, but how many volumes in between? I can I can make it, you know, you know, infinite. You know, that's, that's the idea. So so the, the comic will go on, it can go on to to extreme lengths, but eventually I, I want to have, have an ending to it. Um, as for the mythologies and and uh, and going back to other characters and uh, legends and legendary you know heroes, uh, it's definitely I'm definitely doing this, and it's gonna be one of those shocking moments, plot twist moments. You know when you see that one character and suddenly you realize who's who's that character actually is. Uh, I like doing that, you know. So yeah, 
definitely we're going to see, especially the first arc uh, of the comic. And the second arc will be even something, you know, more interesting. So hopefully. And with that, you have, uh, you know, the history, the historical aspect of it. You have the autism side of it. So I'm assuming uh, that these are all ages uh, audience and not the the dark and gritty, you know, the you know, we have to we have to have it realistic and, and grim and, and dark night type of thing. So anybody could pick up this book and read it or is there an age restriction? It's uh, like even, you know, dialogue wise, if there is something, you know, bad said, I make sure that the bad guy says it. So so it won't stick out, you know, it won't be, you know, something uh, that the reader will think I'm trying to push, you know, like 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 a negative idea or something. So uh, I, I'm I'm trying to make sure that uh, everyone who can who can pick this book uh, will enjoy it without without feeling you know any dark or gritty things. Even if there's something dark, I'll try to make it a little lighter. So. Now, are you you mentioned uh, pushing pushing a thought or an agenda or an idea? Are are you did you find that you had to exercise any kind of restraint as far as message fiction? Because, you know, you're, you're getting into the story and we want to raise awareness of autism as a, as a byproduct of this. Was, was there any point where you felt maybe you kind of went too far, we got to dial back on the after-school special aspects of this or... Did it all kind of flow pretty naturally for you, or did you did you run into some pushback saying this is a little bit too um, education pamphlet and not comic book? How much how much of a balance did you have to strike there? Uh, honestly, um, I, I'm I'm an uncle of 12, 12 kids, so when I write it, I always try to imagine what's you know their reaction when they when they pick this comic and how they're gonna feel like. So I never thought you know everything I write I, I tried not to go overboard with anything that could you know uh, they might find uh, offensive or something. So I I never went overboard so far. Um, so I, I never you know I didn't have to do any restrictions or anything uh, uh, with the comic, uh, especially my, when I placed my nephew who who I'm dedicating this uh, the first issue and the whole comic for um, so when I when I when I place this in my mind um, I don't while I'm writing I I, I can never you know go off board or you know do something that really you know makes me think oh maybe I need to tell down the knot yet <laughs> and on the flip side of that you know from from the grown-ups perspective uh, you're getting some response there as well because your your history in or your, your background in in history, you got invited to come and speak in London in connection with this book. What was it like when you got that invitation? How did you how did you feel? Because I I would imagine that that was kind of a new thing, maybe. It was it was, uh, and uh, I remember even getting that email. Uh, there was uh, um, a history student. Uh, she. Ha- you know, through their connections, she heard about my comic, and she talked to her professor about it. That there's someone who's creating an epic of Enkidu, the epics of Enkidu, and 
and I got I received an email from him and you know when I saw saw the invitation I felt really excited and uh, I I spent around two months prepare my myself to to talk to them because he uh, he invited he's actually a professor of Greek mythology uh, and they, they had this uh, 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 a, a, like a seminar about Homeric legends, so um, I I want I I reread all the not all of them the the Iliad and the Odyssey for for Homer, and I even read and I read a, a, a thesis showing the similarities between the Epic of Gilgamesh and the Homeric epics, and it, the similarities are uncanny, and and it was really interesting. You know, there are so many similar so many. Similarities in the heroes, for example, Achilles has his best friend, the close-up uh, person, uh, Patroclus. When he dies, he he changes the whole narrative change. And we have Gilgamesh, whose friend is Enkidu. When he dies, everything changes for him. You know, he tries to become mortal to avoid death and everything. So uh, these similarities are really interesting, and you can find them anywhere, even in ancient religions. You know, for example, the Egyptians, the Mesopotamian, the Chinese, and the Aztecs, uh, all of them, if the kings died, they were buried with their servants and their gold. So when they wake up in the afterlife, they all have the same idea, even though they were 100% apart from each other. That's very interesting, you know? So, uh, yeah. I think that also feeds into uh, when you look at Joseph Campbell, that whole hero with a thousand faces, talking about the archetypes of stories where you have that that hero's journey type of of thing where you have the young hero you have the the older mentor wizard type you know the the sage advisor uh you have the the best friend and the sidekick and all these things uh it it would seem that uh it's almost cultural memory but even maybe going back further than that where you know the need for certain types of characters to embody certain aspects of humanity almost seems like it's an, a natural a natural extension of how we tell our stories how how we inform other people how we educate people how you know the moral of the story is as it as it were where you have specific types of people. Well, you know Uncle Joseph and how he always yells at people. It's that kind of thing. You know, you start to draw in, and people that you know become characters to illustrate certain aspects and personalities and such. And it seems like maybe that's part of where these archetypes have come from, because everybody knows somebody like fill-in-the-blank. Does that seem yeah, like something that you're, are you running into that as well in your design for various characters? Okay, well, I need I need a young hero for this one. I need an old man uh, who can die in the second act for this. You know, I need the damsel in distress. Are you looking at archetypes like that, or are you drawing specifically from historic stories and saying, okay, I have a Gilgamesh, I have an Enkidu, you know, next we go to Arthur and Lancelot and, and that. Are you pulling, how are you deciding which characters are going to end up in your stories? Well, it's, uh, it's a little bit, bit of both, you know. I need, like I'm thinking I need someone here and I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can bring 
this character from this mythology or this history, or I'm being someone who's a descendant from this mythology or history and place him uh, in that part. And uh, usually how I imagine them is uh, how I, when I read about them, I try to, you know, see someone who, who I know, someone from my life, it makes it easier for me. There's like a uh, Tom Wolf, I think his name, the, the writer, he said that uh, when you write, you, you know, you always write a piece of yourself. And uh, I remember one of the first comments, one of my friends who read my, my first novel, he said, I liked it, but while I was, he's my best friend, like he's keep reading, he said, it's you, like all the characters, I feel they are you, you know, the way you talk, these sentences, it's, it's mostly feels like you, you know, and it's weird for the people who know me to read, to read my, 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 especially my first book. So uh, I try to create characters and I try to portray them as people I know from my life. Uh, and at the same time, I try to bring someone from history to, you know, to, you know, to mix different portrait, different, uh, uh, you know, characteristics, you know, that are in the book when, with our lives and uh, try to make them fit in our modern life. So. There are some authors who get criticized for the self-insert character, putting themselves in the book uh, all the time. Uh, is that uh, is that something that you try uh, to avoid? avoid? <laughs> you don't you don't want to put that you don't want to put yourself in the book, but it just so happens that sometimes it happens. I'd rather not. <laughs> well, uh, I, I I never. I never ever thought about it, but to insert myself in anything I write, uh, you know, never, you know, never came, never made the right choice, you know, it never made, you know, never sounded as the right choice. So I never, I never did it. So I, I don't believe I'll ever do it in the future, but never say never, you know, no. I don't know, maybe one day I'll be too proud of myself and just add myself there. That's it. Well, Nat, you talk about uh, writing. Uh, you also are an artist, and you're the colorist on this book. What made you decide to get a different artist to come in and do it instead of doing it yourself? Uh, uh, you know, the thing is, um, if I work by myself on this project, it will take much more time. And and um, even though I'm, I know how to draw and everything, I'm still, I mean, the other artist, Moisa Muniz, is much better than him. To be honest, he's he has a better sense with you know and in, uh, in the pauses you know like if I'm doing just a normal face or anything it's easier for me but pauses is something I'm, I'm uh, I haven't picked on pick you know very quickly but the coloring is something I'm very good at uh, especially digital coloring so um, I decided to you know work mostly on digital coloring and uh, depend on uh, Moisa Muniz on on doing the uh, the penciling and the inking, um, but 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 I did before a comic actually a very long time ago. It's called Team Genesis. Uh, I did it in 2014, and and I was the you know I did everything in that comic. I was the pencil coloring, uh, ink, uh, the inker, the colorist, the letterer, um, and it was it was exhausting you know to do all these things. I did two issues and. And it was really tiring, so that's why I needed someone else to help to to create the comic and to make it look much much better. You know? Do you find between writing novels and writing comic books, which one is easier for you? I mean, uh, 
Of course, I think writing comics will be easier. Um, it's almost similar to writing a script, in a movie script. Uh, um, you know, it's, uh, but, but the difficult part is, uh, you know, because there are some kind of rules and uh, specifications to writing a comic. For example, you cannot fit, you, you can fit an average of 35 words in each speech below everything. So you have to plan what kind of word, what specific character says. You cannot, you shouldn't use more than three uh, speech balloon in every panel. You have to think, okay, that panel will be this big and it should write these kind of words, how many words. So that's the the, the challenging part in uh, writing a comic, but it's uh, it's not too challenging compared to, you know, you have more freedom uh, when you write a novel. You know, you can just keep typing and write any words, but the only obstacle I have when I write a comic is I have to think about the panels and and the and the number of words of uh, each character I have to say. So it's a kind of diff different, uh, you know, different medium, different way of writing. So I cannot decide which one is difficult, but novels take, you know, longer times. Sure. See. Did your did your process for writing the script for the book change as you're discussing the artwork? Oh, well, I can't put that here. I need to move it or I need to shorten it. I need to change any kind of alterations that came about as a result of this is what the artwork's going to look like. Now I have to adjust the dialogue. Yeah, I did that exactly. Um, um, I had a different script, different uh, dialogue in the beginning. And by then, you know, every time I see this panel, we change. My, my artist suggests, you know, this panel will look much better when we changed and we placed, you know, um, like diff we added more characters after the Indiegogo campaign. So we had to do different um, dialogues. Uh, and so we had to adjust to, to these things. We had to, we had to be more flexible, uh, you know, when everyone, any, every comic artist should be flexible when they do their writing. So, uh, yeah, simple answer is yes. We, we had to change some of the dialogue and, uh, and some of the captions also. And the uh, the book is how many pages? Oh, the first issue is uh, is uh, thirty. No, I'm sorry, the story is twenty eight pages. Uh, yeah, twenty eight pages. Okay, all right. And it's coming out in November. And the, how much of your history now that you had a success with this? There are some uh, there are some who discuss the uh, the way the way that comic books are uh, in terms of storytelling capability and the and the opportunities there. What is the what does the comic book market look like in the Middle East? Are there are there I mean here we have a diminishing number of comic book shops. You have the digital stuff with Comixology and and Amazon and such. But are there are there local comic book shops in your area, your your part of the world? Is that a is that a thing, or is that just a cultural thing with the states? Well, uh, mostly there are actually, uh, and there are actually comic books sold in bookstores. So, it, especially with the you know the rise and success of the Marvel movies, it, the comic culture became you know much bigger in, in the Middle East. Um, 
you know, like in, in, in Dubai, for example, in, in uh, Emirates, you find a bigger, you know, culture, you know, comic culture there. And we just started recently to have more comic conventions, even Comic Con, uh, like I think two years or three years ago started in Kuwait. And it's been like, like for 10 years, maybe in, uh, um, in, uh, in Emirates. So it's a growing, you know, it's a growing culture and, uh, and, you know, and, like as for bookstores, you know, like comic bookstores, it's still not as, you know, as strong as the, the, the US, of course, you know, if you compare, you know, the Middle East with the US, of course, uh, it's not, you know, it's less, but hopefully it's going to change with time. And do you see comic books as a, as a potential way of maybe getting people interested in history? Uh, you know, m maybe not necessarily, hey, here's a fictionalized account of, of King Arthur, but actually going into uh, real historic events and, and you know, World War I, World War II, uh, the, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. You know, there's a number of different places there where you could use comic books to... Uh, educate and inform. Are are you thinking along those lines? Given that you've studied ancient history and mythology, and maybe this is another way that you could get kids interested in that sort of thing. Yeah, of course, definitely. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's difficult to uh, get a kid to like writing. And when I look about, you know, when I look at myself, how how I got into writing. Uh, I mean, into reading. It was first, it was from through comics. Uh, I remember I had this Walt Disney Mickey Mouse uh, comics I used to read when I was um, nine or eight years old. And, um, and little by little, I upgraded to something more complex like Batman. And I remember reading uh, my first novel by James Patterson. Um, I think it was in 90. Uh, I think early 2000. Uh, it was uh, The Lake House. Uh, it's... Uh, I remember, uh, so like just little by little, I, I started to, you know, uh, become more of a reader uh, that way. So, um, and now I read, you know, the Plato's, the uh, the Mesopotamian history, uh, the Homeric legends, and that started from my love of, you know, just uh, pictures with some words. So I, I really believe that uh, comic uh, is a really good way to, to uh, make, kids uh, fall in love with stories and history um, and hopefully they grow up with that especially when they see like a, a, an actual book like a homework legend oh I read that when I was a kid and as a comic maybe it's uh, maybe I should know more about it and and that that's really really something you know that should be considered you know uh, using a comic uh, as a good medium of uh, to teach people about history and uh, culture since you've had a little bit of, of uh, communication with uh, universities, you know, as far as being able to go in and do the lecture and and the idea here of presenting you know, historic events in comic books, have, have you had conversations with anyone about getting your book into comic book shops or into bookstores is there is there an option there yet is there potential for this to find its way out to the general public outside of a crowdfunding campaign well uh at the moment i'm planning to place it on uh, and print, uh, print on demand uh, platform 
uh, the indie indie planet, uh, which is a very very awesome uh, platform, with, and published to uh, many uh, people who got uh, crowdfunding. Um, and hopefully from there, I'm gonna because they deal with the uh, Kaplan. Kaplan is a very very well known printing company uh, who helps indie uh, developers uh, and even people from Marvel recommend it. Uh, I remember seeing some kind of a interview and they said you can start with Camoplan and eventually find yourself. Um, it's like I want baby steps, you know, especially when you live like me, you live far away from the actual market. So I'm going to start, you know, with the online and hopefully, you know, the people who are so far really positive about the comic will, uh, will help spread the word and hopefully eventually to each uh, bookstores in the United States. I really look forward, hopefully, to uh, to see my, my comic in the bookshelves and, you know, even the smallest bookstore, <laughs> uh, comic book uh, shop and, and, you know, yeah, so. Oh, anyway. Are, are, there, are there opportunities? Are you open to collaborating with other creators? or Because you know, there's a number of people that are talking back and forth about, you know, crossing over their, their various different universes into doing these big grand sweeping event books at some point. Have you thought about other, are, are, are you looking at other projects, other Indiegogo creators, other in, indie comics creators and sitting there thinking, oh, I'd like to work with that person. I like that art. I'd like, you know, are you finding that there are people out there that you would want to work with, uh, compete with, or are you, are you getting a sense of your place in the, in the, in the macrocosm that is the indie comics community? Well, um, well, yeah, I mean, I've seen, I, I wish to collaborate with more artists and uh, I, I have still have a lot of ideas for the comic. Um, and after I, you know, the, the uh, become a character perk, uh, as, as I mentioned, each character has their own myth and legend and, while I was reading about them, I just thought, oh, each character can have their own arc or their own spin-off, you know? So just, you know, I want, I wish to make it some kind of a universe and not just following Enkidu in the future. I, I wish to do that. And, and that, while I, I always think of collaborating with, with another artist to make this comic. Um, as for clashing with different uh, stories, so far I haven't seen any any story except one which is impossible to clash with uh I've, i'm sure you heard about the new keanu Reeves comic yeah, because it has similarities with the yeah he's like a demigod and and he doesn't die and you know it's, right it's it's something interesting and that's the only idea that fits to you know clash with inkido but other than that uh I'm, you know the ideas out there are awesome but not none of them you know so far, none of them fit with my, with my comic. So fulfillment comes in November. After that, what's the next project on your slate? What do you have planned as your as your next book? Because you've got a, you said you've got a number of ideas. Have you picked the next one for for development yet? Well, I'm still going with uh, I'm still pushing with Epic of Thank You Do with the second issue. Uh, that's my plan to to do the second issue. Um, uh, and the full arc, the ten, the uh, first arc is ten issues. So I'm trying to finish that. 
uh, at the same time, I'm also doing my writing in, on November. I'm going to release uh, uh, a Lovecraftian horror novella uh, it's, uh, titled uh, Harvest Nights. Um, yeah, and that, that's my second plan. And uh, as for comics, I do have another project, but but I haven't started yet. And it's actually inspired by my two nieces. You know, so you can see most of my inspiration lately has come from my family. Uh, yeah, so... I'm trying to make some kind of a story for them. Um, it's about uh, two superheroes who can only have superpowers once a week. So it's kind of a dilemma thing, you know? And uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm planning to do this one, but, but it, will, it will be probably next year, not, not now. Well, they do say write what you know. So uh, have the people the people that you know that that show up in in your stories do they recognize themselves? Have you gotten any kind of a hey what you put me in this book? Uh, yeah, actually, <laughs> uh, they do, they do, um, <laughs> and usually they they you know they're pretty shy about it, but uh, I say no, oh, don't, it's fine, it's nothing. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Well, the uh, the book, the Epics of Enkidu, is in demand currently now on Indiegogo. We will put a link uh, to this in our show notes, and uh, you can check that out. And in the meantime, uh, good luck with the next project. And uh, and we do appreciate you taking the time to be on here today, Ahmed Amin uh, from Kuwait. Our first. Guest from the Middle East. We've we've made some history today. I do appreciate you taking the time to be here. Oh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. The pleasure is mine. I'm, I'm really happy to be here, and hopefully, I'm not the last. <laughs> All right. Well, you have a good week then, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Likewise. And uh, all of you in the chat, thanks very much for being here. If you have a comment or a question or some feedback that you would like to give us, we do have uh, the comment thread. We do have the email address live from the bunker at sci fi for mecom And tomorrow, Nadia Afifi will be here to talk about her novel. And we've got people all through the week. Ryan Wynn will be here on Wednesday. And... On Thursday, we will be talking to Erica Williams from Cosplay for Hope. Uh, with uh, Saturday being Mental Health Day, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, that and their organization. So we've got a full slate this week for guests. Uh, and also, of course, uh, a note, H2O not on tonight uh, because of uh, my commitment to the game. And if you want to save 10% on your order at SuperheroStuff.com, you can use the promo code SciFi for me 10 when you check out, and you will save a little money. Thanks very much, folks, for being here. And don't forget, the only thing that travels faster than bad news is coffee. We'll be back tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2020 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.